Good morning, everyone. It is early here in the Pacific West and Northwest, as yeah, Blaine Bartlett, my mentor, <laughs> learned out Blaine Bartlett for his last LM, my mindset mastermind. How are you, Blaine? Hey, I'm doing really well this morning, buddy. How about yourself? Amazing, because I am so excited hey. to have our friend here, Nadav. Uh, Nadav Gosham. he is the CEO of MakerBot, and I, I know I'm going to take this into a direction he didn't anticipate, but I have to ask. So 3D printing is so fascinating to, to me, yeah. Nadav, uh, because I am a believer of manifestation, and I am a believer of taking digital ideas, data, <laughs> and materializing it. Uh, and I think the closest... Uh, human-made, man-made construct is 3D printing of materializing idea. And I think there has to be some relativity to what we're doing with 3D printing. And as you have, you know, in the last five years, really evolved and innovated it into the home, you know, to, to me, there has to be some equation of, okay, this is the seed that is going to prove someday that we can manifest anything that we want. So I, I'd like to take this into the manifestation phase. I'll let Blaine take it where he wants to go, but I couldn't help. I've been waiting all night. I was like, okay, explain to me how, you know, this actually works and where your idea came from, you know, as CEO to, you know, really create this ability to materialize things in our home. Yeah, by the way, thanks for having me. I think like um, it is, I'm lucky to be working in a place where I think like you take ideas and make them real, as you said. Mm -hmm. And this is where we, you know, like our kind of vision is like there is innovation in everyone. And what we try to do is to kind of make it real. And, and, and you know, 3D printing is really, it's, it's really, as you said, like you take an idea and, and you make it a product something that that really you can hold in your hand and like and and i think like the, the fun thing about that is that like there are no limitations because you know yeah. in, in in the past there were like traditional manufacturing techniques where you have you know i need to think in a certain way to make that part you know real now you are kind of open and and free dog with this kind of limitation and this is where i think like where we bring value as an industry and to like you know very old I would say ancient uh, technology manufacturing and you know subtractive manufacturing is back in the days of uh, you know making clay pots right you just you do something and 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 there are limitations to what you do with like additive and how do you think about things like that you can just you know take complex parts and make them you know reality and, and that translates into value and that is the value the value for example you can have you know, lower weights, you can have, you know, more efficient supply chain. You don't need warehousing. You can print what you need. You don't need to store them. You know, there are so many things you can do. And and, and I think, as you said, if we can make this, we can make other, you know, ideas, like you said, reality. And, and I think this is like where I think as human nature, we want to challenge the limitations we have. The ideas are unlimited. When you make them real, you have limitations. And just do them in a different way. Then you kind of break these kind of barriers. So this is what we do. 
You know, it, it's interesting to me, and David, you mentioned this in, just in terms of thinking and you know, just thinking into reality. Um, we live in, a, you know, objectively, I mean, in our experience in a 3D world, three-dimensional world, but we're forced to actually think in many cases when we're looking at you know, producing results or manifesting results in a 2D, uh, 2D construct, a two-dimensional construct, space and time. You know, that's just you know, kind of, it'll take time to structure this thing in length, de- you know, length, depth, and width. But 3D, I, w- I was working, you know, one of my clients is IDEO, and I've been working with them for about 12, 14 years, something like that. And I was in their offices a couple of years back, and they have, they've got 3D printers, and this is, a, you know, IDEO, the design firm. And there was such an intricately uh, fabricated in, uh, uh, product that they had showcased you could not manufacture this in a 2D platform. You know, it, it was a subtract. It would have been a subtractive uh, manufacturing process in order to put it back together. This was bespoke. It was whole. It was and it was 3D. You'd look inside this thing, and it's kind of like, how in the hell did somebody actually man? It was thought into reality. It was thought, I mean, I mean, so this 3D, this notion of 3D printing, it allows us to free up our creative processes, I think, in a way that you know, we haven't been able to as a species before. You know, artists will think in 3D, but the, the lay person you know, you know, actually thinks in a 2D platform when they start looking at how they manifest life. So all of that to be said, how are you actually leveraging that value proposition uh, to you know, because you know, Martech is you, know, you are the largest 3D printing company in the world right now, if I understand correctly. So, how are you actually bringing that to market in a way that consumers, not just manufacturing firms, but consumers can actually leverage the advantage that that holds? So, so I think, like, you know, I'm not sure we're the, the, the largest, but I think we, we have a significant footprint. But I would say that, like, <laughs> the idea, the idea, the idea that we bring is that you know we we serve as you said like product designers and yeah. and, and 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 product designers by definition are designing in 2d ways to mimic 3d like any cad software mm-hmm. and and by the way they start with a pencil and 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 then they draw it and then they take their ideas the uh, ideas into digital format in a cad or any yep. software and then they want to see what it really looks like and feels like, and then they produce it and prototype it. And 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 I think this process is very very lengthy. It's easy to draw, it's more complex, but very easy to you know to design it in in, in CAD. Uh, but then when you kind of take that into the next level, get the part and fill it, then it becomes slow. And what that actually and and expensive, and what that mm-hmm. actually does for the overall process it slows it down and we know that iteration is how you make perfection you can't like think everything out of uh, your your head and everything comes up right no you have to make mistakes you have to learn from your mistakes but when you kind of translate it into the physical world there are limitations so what we're trying to do we're trying to bring to these designers a tool which is as easy not very expensive as a pencil and, 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 and I said, like, you know, when, when you go to these designers and, and engineers, they have to have what we call the pencil, a CAD software, and method, which is our product. 
to get the overall, uh, I would say, process of driving innovation. And, and I think this is the proposition that we are kind of bringing to the market. And, and I think it will change the way products are made. Because, and, and I think, and, and, and on top of that is what you said, like, you know, the thinking will change because the, you know, the additive way of thinking, the parts that, that work together, that can be only produced in an additive way, are not, uh, I would say, intuitive to to someone that hasn't had experience in 3D printing. So you have to get this ball rolling and to get people more and more. So I think like when you do that in a large scale, it will translate into better product, more efficient processes, and again, innovation. But that's that's like you know that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, Nadav, it's um, so reminiscent of the early '90s for me when I got involved in the internet. You know, and I always tell the story about how my mom uh, told me the, the internet was a fad and it would never last. And what I what I didn't one of the stories I want to share with you because it's so pertinent to being in the pre-chasm state of what will be a, a daily or, or or like you said, there'll, there'll be a 3D printer in every home. In fact, smart homes will come with uh, printing aspects uh, probably built into the homes as, as we're, we're looking at it. Um, the but, homes will be 3D printed. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to say pro, that. Pro, <laughs> the home will be 3D printed, correct. Uh, well, and they're already starting. I, I know I saw and read an article on that. Uh, but, you know, I, I met, I was blessed, you know, I was 25 years old. I got to uh, present Westlaw, which was legal research online in, in 1993 to uh, the Supreme Court of the United States. So I recall Justice Scalia himself. So this is the leader of our country in law telling me that not only would legal research be capable on the internet, but all research needed to be done in books, which, why is that so important? Because this mindset change of an open mind to a closed mind, that we have ignorant, open-minded, humble people and ignorant, closed-minded, arrogant people from the facility of being an expert. And just because you're a Supreme Court justice, you have a high level of expertise of the law, uh, but you also uh, don't know everything. And I just <laughs> laugh to think that here, he, you know, here's a leader of our country telling me that we will never do research on the internet when in actuality, the internet, the most positive, powerful thing of the internet is his research ability. And he couldn't fathom, his reality could not fathom my imagination or vice versa. Um, where are we going? You know, and, and I, I, I would tell people when I was CEO of Samsung's first phone, you, you'll be able to talk to China in full duplex color for free. And people, would, yeah. when I was on Good Morning America, they're like, you're insane. Like, literally, that's for free. You're going to be able to do that someday. That's like Jetson-like. So where are we going? I know you invest in a lot of, uh, you know, as an angel investor as well, a lot of fast-growing companies. You see things that Blaine and I, through hopefully our ignorant humility, not our ignorant arrogance, we could never see. Where do you see this in 20 or 30 years? So, so by the way, I, I to, to, to kind of echo what you said, I think the idea that we are feared of new is not, you know, it's something that like, specifically if you're an expert, then, you know, you lose your credibility. And with the internet researchability, how the, I, I would say the, the, the uncertainty of uh, authority, right? Well, you know, so, and that's something that like the people of fear. And I think in 3D printing, the equivalent will be the IP. 
because the IP rights below everything. So like, you know, if I want to kind of continue with the analogy, analogy is like, you know, we are working in, in a preset of, uh, I would say, um, rules and regulations, um, which are really built based on the past ways of making things, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and it's still unclear or it's still debatable, the IP situation, when you take a part of someone else's design and, and, and you mimic it in 3D. So I think there are, you know, so I think that is the underlying, uh, I would say, foundation of innovation here. Because you can now the, make in, I would say, less uh, costly matter, uh, something that like you can use for yourself or you can, you know, do. And then the freedom that it brings is, you know, I would say valuable for anyone. And I think that's the underlying forces. And then on top of that, there are like, you know, all of these kind of layers of advantages and that we are, you know, bound to, you know, we are bound to supply chain constraints. And we saw mm -hmm. what happened last year uh, when like what we thought uh, never would have happened, happened, right? You know, we, we were not planned to have COVID or crisis. So we were not planned not to have constant supply of PPEs, right? So and that's and so that nobody thought about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an extra stock. I'll keep another month. And, but if that doesn't last for another month, it's, it's like two years and a year and a half. So we were brought in to kind of keep that, you know, intact and produce on-site in hospitals, uh, PPEs and other equipment. So that's changed everything. And the second thing is like, do you need now to store a spare part for something for a car or a plane? And that was produced 50 years ago. Why? And how long, you know, and, and how, how much it costs you and the environment to maintain such a, you know, legacy and um, that you might or might not use, right? Mm -hmm. So that you don't need to, you can print it. And uh, so, and, 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 and then goes to the actual part itself. You know, we were thinking subtractive and aviation and, and, and aerospace are now using additive manufacturing to produce parts that were never thought be able to produce. And then what it brings with, with I would say, organic support structures, which are more like a lattice and, and not more like a, you know, like beams and, and, and that we are used to think like as engineers. And that changes completely the way the weight to strength ratio. And now you can get, get something more efficient in the sky and, and you save weight, save fuel so all of that is like everything so ask me what i don't know what to choose <laughs> so I just, <laughs> that's what i'm saying i don't know what, i'm trying to say this today i said no all of them are great babies of this technology wow this has been incredible we'll have to have you back because there's so much to talk about i sitting here thinking that in essence blaine and you and i were 3d printers right we we get mm -hmm. these down we get these downloads and then we create them we find the materials we put them all together and we create uh, what we think of. And, uh, you know, if you take time and space out of uh, the equation, it gets really interesting uh, of how quickly uh, in the essence of infinity, you know, we do create. So it's uh, super interesting. It's definitely the future. Check out makerbot.com. I can't wait for the day when we're not the only 3D printers in our homes that we actually have another uh, facility to create those uh, door stops and little parts to our 
water machines that we wait three weeks to, to get. So it'll be incredible. Thank you so much, Nadav. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank yeah, you very awesome. much, my friend. Wow. That's fascinating. I, you know, this, the whole 3D market, uh, through printing market, just is crazy. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I, the materials that can be used to do this. Yeah. You and I need to discuss that uh, in depth, the manifestation process of yeah. us being 3D printers and the capacity of 3D printing in, in essence. You know, I was looking around uh, the, the beach house prison I'm in in the back room with the bunk beds. And I'm uh, yep. thinking, how many things could I replace or fix or do whatever with a 3D printer so quickly, efficiently, and sustainable, right? It's just, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't think about the sustainability issues of how many pieces and parts we must store for the last 50 years. And <laughs> the delivery, I mean, I'm continuously breaking down boxes from Amazon deliveries. And right. <laughs> if I don't have yeah. recycling like you know eventually 3d printers will have their own sustainable self-recycling so you put old part in right it, it takes yep. the same material and re reproduces it so the threads are fixed you know what i mean yeah think about this how many screws think about how many screws are thrown away because the threads are stripped but if you put it into a 3d printer and it recreated the screw with the correct threads again you know, it's, it's endless anyway uh, oh, we got another <laughs> another exciting guest here. Uh, <laughs> Hi guys, Andrea. Good morning. Very nice to meet you. Uh, very nice to meet you. CEO of SalesJet, a serial entrepreneur, a public speaker, a successful mentor. He's sitting in the same spaces with us and having a great time. And uh, really wanted to talk about your own personal website. You know, the personal brand today, Andrea, is so important. Uh, in every aspect, I, I, I love, you know, you can have uh, doctors of all types. You, you can have, you know, these, we, we had a, a geek on yesterday, we, we will call him, uh, but an extraordinary personality. Uh, you can have old basketball coaches that run mortgage companies, and they end up being bigger brands than people that we see on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been mm -hmm. blessed to represent big names uh of you know sports entertainment my entire career but i'll walk the boardwalk here on the beach and somebody stops me and wants my picture and it blows my mind uh yeah. you know i look at your website you know how are you building your own brand you know not just you know in your space as an entrepreneur but as a speaker as a mentor all the things that blaine and i do as well mm. thank you for the question well I started with the idea that uh, I wanted to build my brand and do all these like uh, content production and talk to the people and believe in yourself, etc. Uh, but then I found out that that's not what I am extremely passionate about. So I, I built a website for myself and for uh, and created a little bit of material in that sense because I have to. But what I really enjoy is empowering my CEOs. The, the companies that I participate and so on. I find a lot of enjoyment in doing something like that because I feel that that's not adding to the noise. Uh, like if you turn on social media and so on, you can see a lot of uh, uh, believe in yourself. I'm an entrepreneur. You know, <laughs> all these all these things that have very little to do with the job of being an entrepreneur. Very little, and give this stereotype of how an entrepreneur is and and it's a perception of life that is not what it is. Uh, at least in my personal experience, and I have uh, I built a few companies, and and uh, I like 
to not be so visible. I like to make my companies more visible. And so the purpose of that, like my purpose, what drives me is the fact that um, I ain't going to be an, an Elon Musk. I ain't going to be like that, that level of innovation. It's something that only certain minds have. But I can facilitate potential innovation in businesses. So when I find a business that I really like and I find a mind that is a brilliant mind, I can accelerate their success and their expansion. So really my content will evolve more and more into empowering my CEOs and be more visible and giving out their message more. Um, and that I really enjoy. That I think is not adding to the noise, um, which is something that there is too much of. It's an interesting, you know, there, there's a humility in that positioning that I think is fascinating for somebody in your position. Uh, because the egos that you deal with have got to be fairly good size in order for these folks to be successful. I mean, successful people have successful egos. So, yeah. But, but you know, sometimes you find, you find individuals that don't know. Like they are, they've uh, they have something there that is really diamond. Maybe it's a little, you know, has some dust on it, and yeah. uh, it, it needs it needs a blueprint to um, have all the other parts of being an entrepreneur. It doesn't have. You maybe have a great product, doesn't know how to sell it or present it or bring it to market, doesn't have the connections yeah. to do so. Um, so yeah, for sure, for sure, there are a couple of uh, my, my my CEOs that have a big personality. But obviously, when you resonate with someone, he, you find someone usually that have some characteristics in common. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that I would do very well with someone that, that like needs to go 25 times on, on Instagram saying, believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, look at my car. If you don't believe in yourself, look at my car. If you don't believe it, I don't know if that would be the type of person that I would want to take in my program and, and uh, accelerate. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason is that I, I think that entrepreneurs have a social responsibility in, in furthering society, in making society better. In, uh, and to me, entrepreneurs are artists. I was an artist before being an entrepreneur. And, and um, I mean, I was, I still am. And artists are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are artists because they create something from nothing and they need to keep creating it every day. Now you can choose to add something to society. So your activity, your, your energy, creates something that is a product that can be exchanged and produces a betterment, or you can make money doing a bunch of other things, but they don't further society. So I choose my entrepreneurs in that direction. I define an entrepreneur in someone that is doing something that betters society. And that's what I like. Yeah. Andre, you know, c coming from the, the sports entertainment space, you know, there, there was always two types of sports and entertainment people. There was the recognizable ones, and then there were the impactful ones. Uh, and eventually the most impactful ones, like a Muhammad Ali uh, mm. or Jackie Robinson uh, or a Roberto Clemente or a Warren Moon, uh, they also become very recognizable as well uh, because of the way media has, has worked itself uh, around that. One of the interesting things I'm working on is entrepreneurship. Mm. Uh, I, I believe entrepreneurs entrepreneurs are going to save the world. I, I think yeah. we have far surpassed, if you understand compound interest, uh, we've far surpassed through uh, what damage we've caused from uh, the resources <clears throat> we have. Uh, so yeah. we're going to have to figure out how to convert, you know, plastics into food or, you know, spray the air to fill up our, 
our atmosphere again. And these are all not only possibilities, but probabilities in my mind, uh, especially after talking to the 3D printer guy. I, I think, yeah. you know, the entrepreneur can, can figure out how to fix what we screwed up instead of stop. Human nature never changes. You're not going to stop the consumption uh, to a degree that's going to sa- save what we need to be saved. It has to be fixed. Uh, mm-hmm. To that point, our biggest and most powerful companies that have the resources need the superpowers of the entrepreneurs, not the ones standing in front of cars they don't own and houses they don't own, telling people what they can own, even though they don't own it. Uh, but I'm talking about the true entrepreneurs need to be intrapreneurs because I think we've romanticized the cars we don't own and the houses we don't own. And we have a lot of unbelievably great minds that are taking on challenges that they're not prepared for, like being able to risk everything that they have and spending their time trying to create a company, not create a solution for our atmosphere. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm you know, promoting entrepreneurship, saying, hey, if you have this innovative spirit, if you are an artist like my friend Andrea and you need help, we, we need the leaders in the multi-billion dollar companies who will give you all the creativity, the business units, but also not allow you or need you to worry about overhead and employees and healthcare and HR issues. And we, we need you innovating. And so, you know, I'm really encouraging a lot of people to be entrepreneurs. You deal with a lot of executives. You know, this is a big talent uh, problem that we have that entrepreneurs are leaving uh, these companies and they can't even recruit new ones to come in. Uh, how important is entrepreneurship uh, in what you teach? It's, you, you touch one of probably the most important points uh, that entrepreneur can, can create a passion and aspiration towards. Um, yes, I believe that your point is crucial. I see another element that should be uh, considered within being an entrepreneur, which is um, I have noticed in the past couple of years in particular, I come from Italy. So my first entrepreneurial experiences were in Italy in the field of marketing. So I did marketing for Sephora, Lacoste, and other things like that. And then in 2013, I moved into the United States and I entered into a completely different market. So um, I, I have observed a, a going down in terms of ability to enter into action and control the emotions. So it seems to me that people are becoming weaker in that sense. Uh, controlling emotion, controlling their state, persisting in a certain direction. And I do believe that part of it is uh, um, if the goal becomes only how much more money I can make, that actually is not conducive of innovation, of true innovation. Because there are ways you can you can open a dropshipping site, you don't produce anything, you just uh, move the money and, and make money. Or, or all the cryptopreneurs that, uh, that you know exist that are not producing a product are just uh, are just moving money, just creating inflation, as a matter of fact. And so, so, so I think that the concept of okay, how am I going to best use my abilities, my competences to forward to forward society is one of the elements that are that are crucial. Um, so there is that. I have a couple of relationship with uh, with uh, large corporations, and we are trying to think, okay, like if we do something together what could create an impact for real? Like uh, if we have a little bit of resources and a little bit of opportunities, how can that actually translate into bringing those products into or those solutions uh, to become successful? Because we also have a problem of adoption. So, so 
having some innovation that doesn't get adopted, it, it equals not to innovate. So uh, it's an interesting and it's probably one of the biggest situations to solve, the aspect to solve right now is the one that you just, uh, that you guys have just mentioned is how are we going to really innovate? How are we going to take minds and resources to produce really innovations that forward society? Environmentally is one, emotion is another. Um, having a job that, that keeps being relevant is, is another one. We haven't talked about AI, but I am seeing it in some of the activities that I do that, that is really, it's really coming uh, in, uh, yeah. in marketing and technology. That, that's really coming. So it, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting few years. And I don't think it's going to be much in the future. I think it's pretty much now. Pretty much now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, business is a spiritual discipline in the sense that, yeah, I, to your point, being an entrepreneur, I will grow myself if I'm actually paying attention to the right things. I, and if I'm not paying attention to the right things, I will not be growing myself. And my company is becoming a reflection of who I am. Uh, yeah, my, my organization is a shadow of me. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's an emanation of you and the team that you yep. build and how you yeah, work with the team. Wow, what a topic. Yes. Yeah. We, 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 once again, <laughs> I, the problem with this show getting so big, Blaine, is that we get these extraordinary guests. Oh, I and, know. Uh, when we started 15 minutes, we were like, how do we fill 15 minutes with one person? Now we need an hour with everybody. Uh, Andrea, in, incredible insights. I have taken away uh, a moving money uh, theme that I want to really explore and research myself. And I love the term cryptopreneur. Uh, I haven't heard that as, as well. These, these are great things for us to think about and contemplate. Thank you so much for assisting Blaine, Blaine and I and our mission to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, uh, to be impactful uh, by empowering them. Uh, and I could tell you are on the same journey we would definitely have you back. Uh, yep. Come check out Andrea DiAgostini.com uh, to learn more about him and the companies and his mission. Executives, if you want to know and reach your potential, uh, Andrea is a great person to reach out to. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Appreciate you it. Too. Thanks. All right. Wow. I, I, I love, I love it. <laughs> I know. I love this show so far. And, of course, we got a big cleanup hitter here. Uh, yes, very uh, emotional aspect here. Uh, <laughs> Ivan Wizard, he is uh, himself a, a, a Sir Ivan, aka the Peace Man, and uh, a top 10 <laughs> billboard charting recording artist. Sir Ivan, uh, philanthropist, is what I love about him and dedicating his career to help people, especially with PTSD. Um, but interesting enough, you know, he comes from a lineage of consistent, persistent pursuit. Uh, yeah. and, and I say that uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed on the genetic and energetic inheritance that we get, especially when our parents uh, have struggled. And, you know, I uh, come from uh, two, two uh, grandfathers that came over on a boat from Russia uh, in 1913, you know, sold tires out of a truck six days a week. My mom was a single mom uh, who raised six kids. Uh, but Ivan, boy, your uh, your your father was a Holocaust survivor and yeah. uh, uh, immersed and and ne never let that stop him or maybe use, utilized it. So I want to start with the energetic and genetic inheritance that you've received and what significance it has uh, in your career as a successful musician and philanthropist. 
Well, the uh, thank you very much. The the genetic inheritance is uh, is something is something real. I feel in my case, uh, even and my siblings also. They uh, when you have a father who went through so much evil and saw so much death and destruction, personally and the rest of the Jewish people uh, in Auschwitz, in Mauthausen, uh, two two different death marches. Uh, it, it's the worst of the worst. So when you're deprived of education, you lose your family, business, etc., and come to America and have to start all over again, it's, it's, quite a, it's quite a task, let alone to achieve what he achieved in his lifetime. So you look up at... Uh, I didn't need to look anywhere else for a hero uh, or, or someone else to admire, a world leader. I had it all in my, I had it all in my father. He had the he had the brains, he had the brawn, he had the charm, he had the uh, the heart, all things that I uh, my brother and sister and I hoped to have, had to had to have had the same. And uh, it, I think the psychologists say, generally speaking, uh, the children of Holocaust survivors are overachievers. Well, uh, yeah, we all yeah we all are overachievers for sure. For one. Uh, and also, I got to interrupt you. I, I've learned one thing, you know, obviously coming from my heritage, all the children of Holocaust survivors that I know are not complainers. Uh, I always say, could you imagine, you know, kids today, you know, complaining to you, to your father? Oh, uh, you know, <laughs> my, 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 shoes, my shoes are uh, getting old. I need a new pair of shoes. <laughs> I'll tell you about shoes. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, relatively speaking, you're, you're talking, you're talking day and night. What he struggled through on a daily basis, both in anti-Semitic Europe, Germany, and then, and then anti-Semitic America coming to America, uh, in, in in running a in, in a becoming president, chairman, and CEO of an oil and gas drilling company and a commercial bank, two of the most traditionally anti-Semitic businesses in America. Uh, and so, yeah, we became overachievers. He, uh, he wanted us, he knew education was important, uh, that, that not everybody could be like him and just do it through hard work and determination. So, uh, he did everything possible to make sure that all three of us went to Ivy League schools and all three of us went to Ivy League schools. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you know, and so in that regard, uh, we, we we definitely inherited that drive to uh, accomplish things. Uh, we also developed like a, I think there's six senses, a seventh sense, that sense being, or or enhanced senses to uh, to the downtrodden, the underdog, people who are suffering, people who are in pain, and uh, we react to it. Uh, it, we're, more, we're more sensitive to it, and, we, and it affects us more uh, emotionally because we've been brought up in a family since childhood, just hearing about pain and suffering and, and death. So we identify with those that are, are going through with through that, even though we personally didn't go through it. Um, mm-hmm. We have in our hearts to do something. So whether it was my music under Sir Ivan, where I took all the iconic anti-war songs and peace songs from the Woodstock era and brought them to life for a new generation. It's called electronic dance music. Uh, I started off with John Lennon's Imagine mm-hmm. uh, and and songs of, of, 
of that type for where, where lyrics meant something, where civil rights, gay rights, women's rights, environmental rights, it all happened in the 60s and early 70s. It's the one time the whole planet become, became enlightened and all agreed that things need to change and all those changes were for the better. But those are fights that are all still being waged today, both still in America and, and, the, and, and the rest of the world. So that battle, I, I fight through my music under Sir Ivan and through my Peace Man Foundation, which uh, helps people with PTSD and looks for cures and treatments for PTSD. Because any type of trauma, whether it was in my father's case, Auschwitz, even though they didn't have a, a, a medical diagnosis even called PTSD at that right. point in time, he still had nightmares, he still had flashbacks. I'm sure he still was occasionally depressed, even though he may not have shown it because he was a, a tiger and always showing uh, strength for the family and for the business and for the shareholders and the stockholders. Um, the uh, we, we knew that he, uh, you know, he had a he had a mild case. Fortunately, he was able to overcome it and become one of the most successful businessmen in American history. But the vast majority can't overcome it, or they can only uh, overcome it partially. And it's for those that I fight on a daily basis uh, to help ease their pain and suffering. You know, when we talk about senses, empathy uh, is not thought of as one of the traditional senses that we, uh, you know, taste, smell, taste, uh, touch, you know, those sorts of things. But the ability to develop an empathetic uh, worldview I think is one of the things that you're speaking to, Ivan, that I think is just fascinating because yeah, you know, David and I wrote this book over my shoulder here, Compassionate Capitalism. And it's impossible for me to feel compassion about anything unless I feel connected to it. And connection and empathy go hand in hand, not sympathy, but empathy. I mean, I, 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 I can imagine being in your place and that compels action that actually compels a different kind of action um, to take place. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you, you, know, you know, your dad, Siggy, yeah, made sure that you and your siblings got to an Ivy League school and you went to an Ivy League school, that, you know, that sort of thing. So you didn't have the same kind of suffering that he did. And I say suffering in, in the broadest possible sense of that with what he actually dealt with. But the, somewhere you got that empathetic genetic <laughs> lever how did you develop that given that you had other things that um, yeah, most people would look at and go, boy, yeah, he or she, your sister, yeah, you got the world by the tail right now. I mean, look at, uh, look at what you're doing. Yeah. So that, where did that come from for you specifically? Yeah. Such that you are, yeah, you've dedicated your life to this. Well, I, 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 I told you when you hear the, the suffering, Mm -hmm. from early childhood it becomes ingrained ingrained in you yeah. okay uh part of the story become, yeah, most, most most children or teenagers in, in america didn't go through what he went through right it, it was so abnormal it was so cruel it was so inhuman uh, <clears throat> so it's uh you you hear you hear about the nightmares so often uh, it, it becomes part of your part of your DNA. Got it. And uh, yeah. 
and we were and we were there's no question that having lost 59 relatives in the holocaust that my father saw all three children as partial replacements for the family that had been that had been decimated and expected us all to bring uh, uh to marry jewish stay in the faith continue the tradition have Jewish children so that we have he could have Jewish grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera, to help replenish the millions that were that were yeah. murdered. So when you have that obligation, uh, it, it, it's 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 thrust upon you. You you can't escape it even if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and you know we were talking about the three D printing and manifestation, but it's manifested itself into an incredible biography, uh, a modern day. Yeah. David and Goliath uh, journey of, of your father called Unstoppable. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, I am the chairman of a foundation called the Unstoppable Foundation. And Blaine and Cynthia, his wife, founded it. And Blaine is, sits on the board with me as well, um, which is very important to us. But the, the term Unstoppable means so much because I believe in the enjoyment of the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your own potential. And, you know, your father, Siggy Wilzig, uh, I think exemplifies that pursuit. What's the biggest lesson that you want people to take away from the biography uh, that you've written uh, about your father called Unstoppable? Well, I contributed to the writing. Uh, Joshua M. Green is the author. But, uh, but a, over 100 people were interviewed. So it's quite... Uh, it's a quite accurate picture of what he was like, his personality. You'll feel like you knew him well. Uh, you'll know his sense of humor, which was very much like Jackie Mason. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 we're, we're old enough to know who that is, so that's good. Right, it's exactly. such, such a rare combination of, 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 of business genius and, and such an absurd, crazy sense of humor that it, it helped charm uh, people uh, so, socially and, 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 and in getting customers. He was the super sales. He was the super salesman. Uh, it, it didn't matter whether it, what he was selling in, in his life. He doubled the sales. He tripled the sales. He quadrupled the sales. Um, he did everything he, he touched turned to gold because he just had the skills. He had the knack. He knew people. After after when you're in, in a concentration camp and you and you have to make split second decisions. Sometimes you don't get the choice, of course, with Nazi guards there or cruel capos. But when you have to make a decision to volunteer or not volunteer for something, it meant having a sense, like a fox-like sense, of when one choice might have, might have meant him staying alive another day, and making the wrong cho choice would have meant he's going to be murdered that day. So, um, so he knew people, and that helped him. In, that, that that helped him in business, and that helped him sense whether somebody was was actually. Uh, an honest, you could tell somebody who was an honest person telling the truth, or whether somebody was a BS artist, <laughs> and that helps when you're making a loan to to somebody, which he did. Uh, so yeah, he was um, he was unstoppable in, in in so many senses of the world word uh, his entire life, whether it was for uh, surviving the Nazis, um, overcoming the anti-Semitic board of directors in America and the two companies he took over. Um, in, in, in fighting the just cause, fighting against Holocaust deniers, fighting for the state of Israel. Uh, mm -hmm. It was just a, 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 not just a super father, he was a super man. Wow. 
Yeah, we, I can't wait to read it, obviously, with yeah, my culture, religion, and history. Uh, books like this fascinate me. Any David and Goliath story, especially, uh, is one that resonates with me, not just because of my name, but because of my heritage and my genetic and energetic inheritance that I received. Uh, you feel like Mishboko to me right off the bat. So I appreciate you coming on Office Hours. And everyone, go out. We have the websites below. Check out SirIvan.com, but find the biography at unstoppablesiggy.com. Thanks so much. We appreciate you, Ivan. Thank you. Great to be here. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Great show today. Whoa. Yeah, as always, man. Well, all right. T this is a tough one. Takeaway for the day. Takeaways. Um, you know, there was um, something that uh, I, I was struck with that Andrea had said. I'm an artist. And, you know, if we go back, you know, with uh, our first guest, uh, Nadav, yeah, what he was talking about with 3D printing was artistry, yeah, and the idea, the, the ability to take something that doesn't exist in terms of my ability to see it, touch it, smell it, you know, in, in, in this time space and manifest it. That's what artists do. That's what entrepreneurs do. That's what um, this, Ivan was talking about as well. You know, his dad's ability to actually manifest a different life. So this, this idea of artistry, you know, taking something from nothing and actually making it something. That's, it's, that's the one thing that we all, I think, have access to. We all have access to nothing, which is an interesting way to think about it. We all have access to nothing. What we do with that no thing makes all the difference in the world because we can manifest anything from no thing. I love that. It's like we go from nowhere to now here to nowhere and this all no thing involved. <laughs> uh, you know, there's 99% of everything is just space, uh, yeah. empty space of nothingness. And it's the 1% of what we have to materialize. Um, yeah. My my takeaway is in human nature. Um, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, I'm really stressing open mind versus closed mind. And, you know, obviously with 3D printing, you have this open mindedness. I, you know, went back to that story of Justice Scalia, who, by the way, I, I love the fact when I saw him later on in my life, he said to me, I told him the story. Obviously, he didn't remember me. I told him the story yeah. and then he remembered me. And he said, David, you don't tell anyone that story, do you? I said, oh, every chance I get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he had a great sense of humor uh as yeah. you know you could tell in his relationship with ruth bader ginsburg as oh, well yeah. she, she thought he was he, wonderful either what an open mind he really had he you know sometimes we are not open-minded about everything because we don't know what we don't know uh, and some things seem so unreal that we can't have an open mind uh and i think that's what i want people to do is just when you think that it's impossible like a jeff bezos 25 years ago telling me you know selling his books out of a garage i'm gonna be the richest man on earth a trillionaire someday it surpassed my imagination right that would surpass and so i think you know keeping our mind open in human nature is to limit ourselves the 3d printing limits ourselves entrepreneurs limit themselves and of course uh those that have suffered worse than anyone. And I think the Holocaust is, you know, at one of the pinnacles of history of suffering uh, for mass uh, amount of people. Uh, 
that an open mind, an open heart, and open hands uh, will manifest that nothingness, right? Yeah. So yep. I appreciate you. Uh, also, today's uh, today's Julie's birthday. So I Julie's birthday today, yes. Yeah, give her a big shout out. I know she's not awake yet, and thank goodness she's not because she would not like me if she was, is. Uh, but I just wanted to give a big shout out how blessed I am uh, to have my anniversary two days ago, 24 years with the most incredible woman in the world, uh, perfect for me. And I want to wish oh, my wife is. happy birthday. Julie is, uh, I love her. I absolutely love her. And you too. My greatest, my greatest manifestation. All right. Okay. <laughs> it took me many years, many years to get her to love me, but that's okay. Thank you, that's everyone. Okay. Thank you, Blaine. I appreciate you, my friend. Uh, you my love you. Have else. a great birthday day. We will. It's going to be great. Okay. Thanks for going. Thanks for going early. You made it a better. Oh, you birthday. Bet. Absolutely. Enjoy the day. We will. Take care. All right, everyone. Uh, what a show. That's all I got to say. Check out learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM, the mindset mastermind. That's my mentor. People ask me, where do you learn all this shit, Blaine? So uh, thank you, Blaine, Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey, and many others for allowing me to transcode your hyper complex ideas into some sort of new 3D printing, a lower level of uh, articulation of what we can manifest and we can manifest whatever we desire rapidly and accurately. If you know you're exactly where you're supposed to be at the right way at the perfect time, utilize the law of Goya, as you saw with Ivan, uh, meaning get off your ass, make it happen and allow with the law of attraction allowance uh, what already exists uh, in that nothingness to come to fruition. Uh, I want to thank everybody. We got training tomorrow. I'm going to teach the seven faces of intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer, one another one of my mentors. We're going to talk about the power of intention and uh, the faces of intention of how to pay attention and give intention to the coincidences you want. That's the 3D print, printer mechanism that we utilize to materialize rapidly and accurately exactly what we want. But most importantly, everyone, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow.